Hello everyone and welcome to Horrorsperia. My name is May. And I'm Clinton. And welcome to our third episode. Yay! Yay, yeah. So so far the response has been great. Thank you everyone for following us, for listening to us, subscribing, rating, keep doing what you're doing, share us. It's been so awesome to see this grow every week and we are so thrilled to be on this ride with you. Heck yeah. I got some sweet sponsorships. Um, so shout outs to all of those. Oh, okay. um, Kellogg's. Kellogg's. Um, candy. No. <laughs> Kellogg's candy. Thank you, Frosted Flakes Sour Gummies. It has been an experience discussing it with you. Truly. As well as the fruit snacks in our bags. Mm-hmm. They, they support international horror. Oh, gosh. Um, and so we support them. <laughs> all right. Okay, well, you know, despite all this fruit snack business, how are you today, Clinton? I'm doing good. I have something to admit. Oh, God. Um, last week, we talked about Let the Right One In. Oh, no. And I thought I had seen it before. Oh, no. But I follow us on Instagram. <laughs> and so I got to see. At Horsperia.com. I got to see what the movie actually looks like. Oh, And no. I realized I have actually seen the Chloe Grace Moretz remake. No! Yes. <laughs> everyone don't see this remake right and you i did it. i had seen it yeah um so yeah we are i am truly a glory grace moretz fan it you, turns you out you really are because i will never see that <laughs> so actually you heard the clip that i posted how did you think her voice sounded oh i, I the whole thing was just so different <laughs> Yeah. I told you it's a good movie. Yeah, weird. <laughs> You're like, whoa, I should watch this. Yeah. I was this is very different than what I saw. <laughs> oh no. Okay. All right. Well, good. I'm glad that we start off with an admission. I think clean slate. We're doing well here. All right. Well actually no Do you have anything you'd like to admit? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I I've seen I watch these movies, spent a lot of hours writing in a notebook. I'm okay. basically Harriet the Spy for film theory. Ooh. H- Harrietta, Henrietta. Yeah. I okay. Like that. Sure. All With right. A spooky edge. Yeah. Ish. Eh. No, nah, maybe not. No. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Before we move on to our episode today, I actually wanted to discuss a little about a vampire thing that I saw coming up that I think might be interesting because we had mentioned it before. Um, you remember what we do in the shadows? Yes. Yeah. So the comedy kind of parody. Yes. Okay. It's it's the vampire parody from New Zealand. Okay. Take a YTT. Well, they are doing an American series. There actually is already a New Zealand series based on it, but it's based on the cops. It's called Wellington Paranormal. Whoa. Remember the the idiot cops? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's already a series. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, I kind of like that. Like almost like a Reno 911. It's literally, with... it seems like it's Reno 911 yeah. with vam- vaguely vampires. And, cool. Yeah, it's a procedural. Okay. But, so what happened is, so they're serving, take away TT, Jermaine Clement, they're serving as executive producers. And the series 
in America is going to be based in New York. But it's basically the same thing. They're vampires looking for roommates in New York City. I love it. Yeah, and so the the trailer just dropped, and I thought I would mention it to you. It's going to be on Sci-Fi or FX, Mm. one of those weird channels. Okay, either one. I mean, they can pump out a good comedy, I think. Yeah, they should. Um, it's kind of there. I didn't really recognize any of the names except Kavon Kavan Novak. He is an Iranian, a British Iranian okay. actor, actually. Yeah, but I thought I thought I would mention I'm that. I'm super excited for that. Yeah, you yeah. think you'll watch it? Definitely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. we should have a little, little pod discussion about it. I definitely want to discuss what we do in the shadows one day. We'll okay. probably save that for a parody pod. Parody pods. Yeah. So good. for everyone out there who's interested in what we do in the shadows, more vampire stuff, I think it's really cool. Cool. I'm down for it. Okay, cool. Anything else? Uh, Yeah, I just want to mention to the listeners, um, I'm trying something different this time. Uh, On this pod, I am speaking directly into the microphone, (laughs) which is probably why you can hear me and you're like, what weird? Why is he... uh..." I was going to mention that, but I wasn't sure if it was too meta. (laughs) So yes, I think the elephant in the room before is that little Clinton was a little baby, tiny, tiny little baby in the mic. I was, and now, yeah. And now I, after, after the second episode, I was like, Clinton, we need to get your S together. Uh-huh. We need to hear you on the next pod. Right. I was a little too lazy daisy. He was too busy trying to mic. hide, making sure that he hadn't seen none of these movies. <laughs> That's hiding away from me. <laughs> That's not true. You know, it's just a little, okay, a little. I'm up in the mic now. Yeah, so snaps for Clinton finally learning how to sit. I'm here. Yes, okay. Well, guess what? What? Let's get started. What do you think? I am so ready. I'm so excited. Who is this Giallo fellow? (laughs) Giallo fellow. I'm going to find out. They keep talking about him. He's made so many movies, but he's not on the credits, so I don't know where he is. He's not on the credits. Wow. Man, I'm going to blow your mind tonight. I'm ready. (laughs) Well, before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Sam Rohde. He was one of my professors in film school, and when I was preparing this pod, He did a lot of the theory behind Giallo's. A lot of the published work was done by him. He passed away while uh, a little bit before I graduated, and he was one of my favorite professors. So a lot of the stuff I'm sourcing today is influenced by his writing. So definitely a big shout out to him. Thank you, Sam. I'm sure you are in film heaven watching a lot of Bertolucci. (laughs) <laughs> okay all right okay for those so giallos did you enjoy this how, how is your homework I, I have mixed mixed uh mixed <laughs> opinions on different things uh okay. i'm first first and foremost i don't know what giallos means okay well giallo means yellow in oh. italian actually yeah and so it, the term kind of it giallo's predates the film it's more of a genre and so it's actually crime novels that were written they were adapted in italy afterward but it's really more the crime novels of england and the western world bleeding into italy they became really popular in italy and we'll talk about that but giallo literally does mean just yellow and if you think of the pulp fiction the yellow yellowed paper yeah yeah yeah. so that's where it came from giallo it kind of just sounds cool giallo yeah it sounds like a director (laughs) it does yeah Uh, argento actually so one of the directors with the probably the most famous uh giallo director is argento dario argento and in 2009, he just went full 
straight up and called a film giallo okay and and made one but it was horrible right. it stars adrian brody and oh, um, he oh. actually sued them for not paying him so you know we're gonna try and stick to the to the heyday okay but yeah so so mixed mixed feelings yeah yeah mixed feelings a little all over the place um i just didn't really know i was like <laughs> oh is this does giallo is this like a everything's like a whodunit <laughs> but that's not yeah. necessarily the case oh yeah we're but, gonna get into yeah we chose so we chose four films today i think we're gonna i tried to choose ones that were important for different reasons and also different in different reasons because honestly there are there was a huge wave of giallos in the 70s that in, in the early 70s to be specific like 1970 and 1975 and they're all more or less the same and even the films that we chose today you can kind of see the wave follow but i did try and choose differentiating ones yeah yeah i really liked uh bay of blood i think was my favorite so bay of blood is probably yeah okay we'll get into it okay (laughs) but bay of blood is very good it's it's one of the most important ones yeah yeah okay all right well you know what let's go ahead and get started do you want to count me down yeah let's do it okay i'm a little afraid do you think you might go over on this i think i will okay okay well i'm not gonna let you so okay (laughs) dope okay on your mark get set go all right giallo means yellow in italian and specifically references the pulp fiction novels that were highly popular in italy in the 1920s there were often adaptations of crime novels from england like agatha christie's work the cinematic movement started in the 60s with Mario Bava's The Girl Who Knew Too Much. The movement reached its zenith in the 70s with directors like Dario Argento elevating the stylistic methods to a high art form. Although largely ignored by English-speaking audiences at first, the home entertainment boom of the 80s and 90s helped distribute these European classics to other shores today. After World War II, the American and Italian film industries were in disarray due to the advent of television and political control, specifically McCarthyism in America and spreading uh, throughout Europe. As American distribution companies went overseas to fulfill low-cost quotas in second-run cinemas like grindhouses and things like that, the Giallo movement flourished to supply the demand in Britain and America. Wow. I was ready to call you out, but you got it. It was only 58 seconds. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. You were racing at the end there, but really you made did. it. <laughs> I'm sorry if that was unintelligible. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that gives us kind of the political. So remember what was kind of going on in the 70s film industry in America? Um, exploitation. Exactly. So there were a lot of exploitation cinemas, a lot of grindhouse cinemas. And so as the American film industry started to fracture and the because you know the film industry kind of started where you know directors were on contracts for studios and things like that so as these things started to kind of become deregulated the american production companies they were like we need to fill these spots with something where can we buy cheap movies and that's really what fed the giallo production and things like that so um, you mentioned real quick, you mentioned yeah. the home video market, too. Oh, yes, that is very important. So at first, when these movies came out, they were grindhouse fare. And a lot of times they would be cut over and over and over. So I don't know if you ran into this when we, when you were watching the movies, but it would be like Bay of Blood. But then it would have like 10 other titles. Like yeah. 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 So that is super 
common of the giallo movement because then what happens is in the 80s and 90s we had the rise of vcrs and then especially towards the end of the 90s we had the dvd home market and so it was really easy for these small production companies to go ahead and then funnel these cheaply bought films into oh hey let's just jump onto this thing and so there were then a lot of runs of these different dvds so or vhs or vhs yeah. Yeah, it, it was vhs that really started it and this is how they became so popular in america and this is how their influence kind of started because as i said these this is really the the focus is the early 70s there were films it started in the 60s it, but there and there were some of the films but they really amped up in the 70s due to the exploitation vibe uh-huh. of them and so they've got blood yeah. They've got boobs. Yeah. Sometimes they have butt or or penises. They they usually I have. actually didn't see any penises, but I really? did see. No, you saw a penis. Did I? Did yeah. I? Okay. I penis in the perfume and the lady in black. Yeah, there was. Um, oh. Okay, we're gonna wait until okay. we talk about it. Yeah. But there's a there's a specific. We got scene. a penis sighting. Yeah. In... There there's quite a few penises. Okay. Okay. Peni. Yeah, that's yeah. not how we say it, <laughs> <Okay>. but. <laughs> I wouldn't know. All right. Yeah. Yes. So, so when the home entertainment market started coming about, these giallos really found a home and that's how they became influenced in American industry. How would you say that the American film industry has been influenced by giallos? If you could just guess. Well, so my, well, my thought on that is that I really, it shocks me how less, there is now than there was then as it come when it comes to the sexual sexual stuff yeah 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 today it's, is very like almost boxed in compared to what yeah. they were doing back then oh, yeah, they didn't care yeah they would just do anything and and it's just reflected and like we have we have different race relations in one of them we have the homosexual uh connotation in another one no yeah these movies were just nuts they, yeah. they didn't care and they've been cut so many times over and over like deep red has so many different cuts and and i mean each one we can say has many different cuts but really the home entertainment market is where these films found a home in america and that is how they have been able to spread so wide afterward because when they first came out they were really only popular in italy and then the thing about Italy is that it was like an intense five year period when these films came out. And even Italians were like, we're over this. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, we're, yeah. Just, we're done with it because they all follow the same formula. Yeah. So kind of talking about the formula. Let's actually talk about the themes in, okay. the, in these films. If you had to guess themes in these films, I'm going to give you three. Murder. That's not a theme. That's a motif. Okay. <laughs> so theme is emotions. Theme is emotions. Yes. Okay. 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 Welcome Let me try to again. English. Okay. <laughs> oh, you know, it's words, synonyms. Okay. Uh, so emotions. Yeah. Okay. Like, what is the emotional thread running through a lot oh, of these Oh, um, desire or some other sexier version of that word? Desire, I think, is... A motif, but I, I kind of see what you mean. I think what we can talk... Okay, actually, a question to posit to you. You said desire. Desire manifested in what ways? 
mm, sexy ladies. Sexy ladies. Sexiness. Nakedness. Okay, yeah. So the there's definitely flesh. a lot of you're he's he's answering what are the styles. So the, this is all correct. These are the different styles. So there's a lot of murder in them. That's usually centered around a serial killer most of the time, a whodunit, as uh-huh. he said. Like these were crime based movies. They are usually reality based movies. And so yeah, so sexiness, a lot of sex, a lot of a lot of blood, a lot of murder. All right, I'll go ahead and tackle to the To give themes. us the answers, yeah. <laughs> so there's usually three main themes, and okay. I think you'll agree once I say them. It's dissociation. So dissociation, dissociation of reality, okay. dissociation of the situations that they're in. The second one is fragmentation. So how does this one event fragment the entire scope of their world? Okay. And then the third one is isolation. And I think we definitely feel that and each one because i think by the end of them so we say that they're whodunits right uh-huh but would you say that any of the films that you watch especially have any kind of narrative sense or narrative completion by the end <sighs> maybe a little bit but there was some real gaps there yeah yeah gaps so and yeah so that's actually a strong characteristic they're usually supposed to not make sense they're usually more style over substance and that would be an open admission like they would just say yeah this script was crap but i thought that i could make something really beautiful Uh and this is what i did and so that is super characteristic of the giallo so no one go into why didn't they just take a better script this they weren't concerned with it they were like i'm gonna take the crappy one and make it better Actually, there was a kind of a a rival genre going uh-huh. on at the time, and that one is called Poliziotteschi. Hmm, Poliziotteschi. Okay. So Poliziotteschi's were also crime based, but they were actually revolved around Italian history and Italian real events. So there was a lot of crime going on in Italy at the time, and they would base a lot of the stories on real stories. Okay. And a lot is a big reason why Giallo's phased out was because these Poliziotteschi's became much more popular. Actually, one of the films that we saw today is a. Uh, considered or, both or considered kind of it's it, it was the first in a series that started off as giallo but then went into polizio Interesting. teshi so is polizio teshi a little more buttoned up a little less yes okay. yes so they're a lot more highbrow and gotcha. giallos i think have had kind of a highbrow uh kind of reconnaissance mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the, re, re, renaissance eh, right no. oh who doesn't know english now no not a renaissance because it, it <laughs> Because that renaissance means that's happening now. Reconnaissance more like going back and a retrospective. Retrospective. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. Reconnaissance <laughs> is like, uh, yeah, okay. Okay. Fuck you. <laughs> you tried. You tried. <laughs> I am going to try. Okay. No, but anyway, yeah. But they really weren't setting out to make intellectual films per se. They were trying right. to make beautiful films. Okay. Hmm. It, beautiful, gory. Exactly. They were trying dark. to put poetry to images. Interesting. And I think... No matter what we feel about these messed up plots, because a lot of them just are really messed up, we can see the merit in that, I think. And I think that's a large reason why they're still really popular in the way that they've evolved. So you kind of didn't answer the question. How would you say that the Giallos evolved or or influenced American industry, the American industry? Oh, uh, I mean, I would just be taking a wild guess. Yeah, take a wild guess. uh, More sex. More sex. I, I would guess. In, in or more way. blood. 
and in, in, in a way, yeah, you're you're describing yeah. it. So, what films had more sex and more blood? Oh, Bay of Blood. No, 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 no. American no. films. Oh, American films. Well, oh, I don't. You know, you got me. Um, in the seventies, eighties. And well, remember eighties. Eighties. So eighties, so so, like slasher films. Boom! There you got it. Okay. You got it. It okay. heavily influenced the eighties slasher genre. Mm-hmm. So without Giallo's, I think our the slasher genre would look very different today because they were some of the films that we'll talk about today were directly they they lifted some of the kills off of the Giallo's. from that move from those yeah. movies yeah yeah okay so now let's talk about some of the stylistic stuff so you said a lot blood. of sex, a lot of blood yes. yeah um what else would you say like other styles did you notice. Well, I did also notice a bit of that almost like French vibe that we talked about a little bit last week with one of the movies. Um, what was that movie that we talked about with that vibe going on? I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so here's here's an example. Okay. In the movie Deep Red, yeah, the some of the opening shots of the diner or bar. Yeah, it's clearly influenced or lifted from that american painting oh right you okay. know what i mean so okay yeah so so a lot of there there's a lot of beautiful camera movement a mm-hmm. lot of tracking shots a lot of zooms there's also the colors the colors are hugely important the chromatic lighting that's also very important how about the music what did you the think the music was awesome yeah honestly i still think i i think one of the reasons I still love watching Giallo's is I think they have the best soundtracks of all time. Every single one is really different. My favorite are Dario Argento soundtracks because he specifically basically hired this funk band to do most of the music for each of his films. They're called Goblin. And man, the soundtrack to Deep Red, I, I could vibe to that all day, man. Now, and I think, is Goblin still around? Do they still touring? Because I think I, I have think some friends do. who go to see yeah, Goblin Yeah, I think shows. they are still around, yeah. That's they, awesome. Yeah, no. I mean, they really... And honestly, have you ever heard Justice? Yes, I've been yeah. to a Justice show. No way. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. I don't really like them, though. But what were you going to say? No, no, same, same. <laughs> okay. I, don't really, I really like their first album. Their uh-huh. first album, they remixed a lot of Goblin's music. Really? So, like, Phantom... Yeah, I'll have to play it for you when we're done this. But Phantom and I think it's Tenebre. Okay. Almost the same song. And really? I mean, they sampled them. Yeah, uh-huh. they sampled them heavily. Okay. And they're a French band. So yeah. Yeah, when I, when I saw them live, they were being like the most stereotypical French band. And they were just smoking a cigarette <laughs> while the um, music played. And they were like not even trying to make it look like they were doing work behind the buttons and knobs and anything like that. I was like, wow, okay. So this is also how we can describe Giallo's. <laughs> <laughs> smoking a cigarette behind yeah. the behind the camera yeah okay some other uh narrative characteristics so maybe narrative characteristics you said whodunits yeah what other narrative characteristics would you say oh geez aside from the whodunit mm-hmm. i'm drawing a blank okay what, what are some uh, what what would you multiple uh, choice how, <laughs> how would you how do you feel about the protagonists in these films the protagonists. Okay, I'm thinking back. They go crazy or are crazy or you're not sure if they're crazy. <laughs> There's that fragmentation. Fragmentation. Isolate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they're usually very privileged, right? 
Okay. So it's usually a very privileged, vapid, almost kind of protagonist that we start with, right? Okay. Uh, the mystery usually kind of seems secondary sometimes to the plot. And there's also a, a real liminality to the coming and going of these archetypes. Like, we'll have will be focused on a character, then they die, and then that same kind of archetype comes and goes. So it's kind of like a revolving door of nameless people sometimes. And sometimes of you the don't other, even know their the names. other characters, yeah. Sometimes yeah. they look alike. Yes. Sometimes they're wearing the same color yes. jacket, and it's very and hard to like, determine who's didn't who. didn't you just die, bro? Right, right. Yeah, so yes. that was actually very common. And, and okay. you could see that in almost every film. So it was definitely a revolving kind of thing. All right, well, let's talk about the first Giallo film. Uh, yeah, let's do it. So it was called The Girl Who Knew Too Much. It was directed by Mario Bava, who did The Bay of Blood. Mm-hmm. So tying into that. And so a lot of these Giallo directors, they come from privileged families. They come from filmmaking families. Already by that time, film industries were really established, especially in Italy. You know, we had the neorealismo movement right before that, around that time. So these were definitely very sophisticated directors. And Mario Bava, I think, of all of the directors, even including Argento, he was definitely the most intellectual of them. The Girl Who Knew Too Much specifically is actually kind of, it's not a remake, but it's kind of a twist on Hitchcock's The Man Who Knew Too Much. Oh. So, but the, so even though The Girl Who Knew Too Much is black and white and everything, very Hitchcockian, this is where a lot of the giallo uh, stereotypes, archetypes, first were established. The killer with the black gloves, the whodunit aspect of it, the sort of pretty vapidness. And so it all started with The Girl Who Knew Too Much. It's about a young woman who witnesses murder. Too much. Yeah. And so he admitted even that this film was poorly written, but he was like, I can make a style out of this. Yeah. And that really is the Giallo thesis. They're like, listen, yeah, these scripts aren't strong. Just shit on your writers. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they were the writers. Okay, really? Yeah. Yeah, A Bay of Blood, though, was not, he did not write it. Uh (laughs) And I don't think he wrote The Girl Who Knew Too Much either. Yeah. So it all started with, with that, and then, so we had a couple in the 60s, but really, 1970, 1971, that is when these films were being pumped out. The explosion. The explosion, right. So that's a bit of our historical context with Giallo's. I, you know, one thing that I really enjoy about this podcast is I get to watch all these movies, right. and then I really do get a better appreciation for them afterwards. So That's I'm very cool. excited to see what we got today. Okay, well, you know what? Let's go ahead and start with the king himself, Mario Baba. Let's start with 1971, A Bay of Blood. You ready? Let's do it. Let's do it.
that was a bit of Bay of Blood. Bloody. Bloody. Yeah. So 1971, Mario Bava. It's about simultaneous murders happening over the inheritance of a house on a bay. Kind of, you know, same thing. Classic. Classic. Classic yes. setup. Was this the first, I mean, this, was this the first cabin getaway murder massacre movie? At, no, I don't think so. Because, I mean, you kind of had, you, you had Wes Craven kind of making similar films around the time. However, this one is probably one of the most influential, specifically to the 80s slasher genre. Uh, Friday the 13th specifically lifted, I think, three different kills off of it. So it definitely, this is one of the most influential ones for sure. Yeah. You said this was your favorite? This is my favorite. Why was it your favorite? So the others were very much whodunits, or at least had that whodunit right, thing. Right, there was right. a killer, nobody knew who it was. This one was more like, who's not going to do it? <laughs> you know, like, everyone's doing it. So I appreciate it. We're going to wait to discuss the end, but okay. that ending is crazy. Yes. I think the endings to all of these movies are crazy. All of them. They're all just like, yeah. they come out of nowhere. You think that you're settled and then you're like, oh, we're going there. Right. Okay. Even if you're not crazy about, you know, certain parts of the movie, when you get to the end, you will get a payoff on these movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's why I still like watching them. They're just so weird. They're just weird films. They're they nonsensical are. films. Anyway, so this was his most violent film. Like I said, he was kind of more of the highbrow one, but he was just eff it. He knew that this film was horrible. He specifically, the reason why he made this film is he really liked the lead actress. Her name is Laura Betty. And he was like, you know what? I just want us to make a film. I'm just going to make this crazy film with you. He co-wrote it, actually. With her? No, he co-wrote it with someone else. Okay. And they didn't really have a budget. He was the cinematographer. He was the editor. He, he wore many hats on set. And the house that most of it takes place in, he owned that house. Okay. Yeah. So they didn't they they didn't really have location clearance or anything. And you know that a lot of the film kind of takes place in the forest, right. especially. Yeah. He said there's was like four films. Oh, sorry, four trees uh -huh. on that property, uh -huh. and he had to shoot it every single way to make it look like a forest. Right. I read that he, you, they almost like put twigs and leaves yes. in front of the camera yes. lens to make yes. it look like it was yes. more woodsy or whatever. Yeah. Yes. I just, I think it's so creative. It's his film with the highest body count as well. It found a lot of success in America through ground houses, but at first it was called a Bay of Blood. And people didn't really understand. Was that the first name? Because I know it went through a few different names. Yeah, that was the first name. Okay. But then when it didn't really hit with a Bay of Blood, uh -huh. then they were like, let's call it Carnage. And it actually found a lot of success. Okay. I also Carnage. read that they were thinking of marketing it as the sequel to the house on the left or something. The last like house on the left. Last yes. house on the left. So yes, they were like. Because that was actually just, the same time. Yeah. So. I guess the producers or somebody talked to Bava, is that it? Yeah, yeah. And they said, you know, we're thinking about releasing this as Last House on the Left 2. Mm -hmm. Can mm -hmm. you imagine making a movie and then somebody being like, oh, okay, well, we'll just package that as a sequel to somebody else's movie. Hello, Ganja and Hess. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, American producers didn't give an F. In yeah. I mean, they still don't give an F, but at least there are kind of copyright laws. They wouldn't try to pull that one quite 
not, not maybe, yet. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We want to, We do not talk about those production companies on this podcast. We are an ethical podcast. Okay, okay. <laughs> yes, but no, you're absolutely right. That's right. And it really, it served the basis for body count slasher film. So like I said, Friday the 13th, part two, specifically lifted kills off of it. But we've had directors from things like Urban Legend and I Know What You Did Last Summer, you know, these 90s slasher films say, yeah, Bay of Blood was my inspiration behind this. And you can really kind of see, I think when you watch a Bay of Blood now, it feels so American in a way uh-huh. because it's just like the, these body people being killed in these really creative ways. But you have to think that this film predated a lot of that. You know, this was not around that time. So it's really interesting to kind of look at it through that lens. Yeah, I also thought it was interesting how the at what the movie at one point is is just kind of fun before it's before fun. before the murder even happens. It's people yeah. chilling in a cabin, yeah. and it made me want to you know go <laughs> have fun like, and yeah. hang out with sure, models she was, she or whatever. Just hung? Yeah, hey, it seems fun. I mean that part, you know, it kind of <laughs> it turns pretty quickly at a point, but. Yeah, I don't it's ever a, think it, it loses its humor. No. Yeah. I also think that even though there's a big body count and it must have been wildly violent for the times. It was. It today, was cut multiple times. It's yeah. like you see a little bit of blood. But it's yeah. not like an HBO show, you know? <laughs> it's not like any... We're comparing this to Game of Thrones now. <laughs> right. And so it's also interesting how relatively tame it is looking back, I think. Yeah. Uh, compared to today's standards of glory. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, it, it started the trend for sure. It, it was one of the films that definitely influenced that whole concept. And then, of course, it got, you know, on steroids after that. Americans. Right, where do went, you go after that? Yeah, gotta... <laughs> basically. A kind of fun fact before we talked about the film. So kind of relating to the kills and everything. So the he did spend money to get an FX artist because he was like, if I'm going to kill all these different people in these different ways, it has to look good. So the FX artist is called Carlo Rimbaldi. And he went on because of this film and how good it was for the, its time. He went on to do Deep Red. So we saw that. But he also went on to do Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Spielberg. Yeah, pretty he big He went movie. on to, to help with Alien. Okay. Yeah. So about, another biggie. Yeah, and he went on to he actually designed ET. He designed ET. He did. Like legit. Legit. From legit. Head, head to toe. Yeah. To long I'm finger. sure it was a team thing, but he was one. He was the head of, the, of that project. Wow. Right. Wow. And and honestly, it all started. Put that because, on your my grave, you know. <laughs> I, I made ET. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. So. Let's go ahead and talk about the film then. Okay. So what did you – so you liked it. I loved it. I loved it. I don't know – you know, I had seen some of the other Giallo films first. So oh, okay. I was ready for something different. Okay. And this was that. Yeah. You, this was definitely that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was fun. Yeah. It's, it's shorter. Yeah. It's not so much a mystery after a certain point. It's more yeah, it's more it's just, of what's going to happen next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely the the plot is super secondary in this one, but in a way, he said that he wanted to take a paint Bava specifically. He said that he wanted to take a painterly approach okay. to this. Huh. And I think you could really see that, especially with some of the kills and the way that they linger on the way that the blood and everything and and the set design. It's really photographed kind of as like this 
lookbook of kills and i think it's it's really interesting i think i think it's clear to see how each of these were really heavily influenced and i mean this wasn't his first giallo film but it's become one of his most iconic because it is the most violent the most colorful things like that yeah how did you feel about the women in the film wow (laughs) hot mama i thought that Everybody was gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. As far as their characters, I wasn't, I guess I was more just like, there was one woman whose skirt was just too short. And was every, it the German one? Yes. Yes. Every time she moved, her underwear was showing, and I was just like, and this even when is she's a good running. Movie. <laughs> oh my God. We're not these curves. Cut. Even when. Even when she was running away from the killer, yeah. the dress was like half hiked yeah. up her ass. Yes. I just, you know what I kept thinking? I kept thinking, how uncomfortable was it for her to shoot that? Yeah. Because I, I don't think that for these films there was like some, you know, I mean, he, he barely had money to make it. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure he just stuck a dress on someone and was like, run with your bare this ass. This is a dress. You're a woman. <laughs> this fits. <laughs> Yeah. Unquote. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I. I. Whenever I see that, I'm. I'm always thinking, did people really dress like this? You know, back then, was this I, a normal maybe. thing? Were people just? Was this like a fashion moment yeah. where where women were just like, their underwear was out and about? <laughs> so I'm. I'm thinking about those things because I, you know, am an intellectual of <laughs> the highest. You know, regard. it's funny. I just heard a podcast. I. I really like the David Tennant podcast. Okay. This is now a David. Is that Tennant. Doctor Who? Yeah, I mean, the I actor mean, played, okay. yes. Okay. <laughs> he has a podcast where he just interviews okay. uh, his friends. Uh-huh. And so he did Whoopi Goldberg. I just listened to it. And she was like, you know, we judge women nowadays for wearing these things. But back in my day, our skirts were even shorter. And yeah. Things like that. So yeah. that's what that reminds me. So that does, yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I definitely think that. I'm like, wow. We, what we think of is one thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's difficult to be a woman in a male-dominated society. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, interesting. Um, let's talk about the ending. Okay. You okay. want to go there? I, I do. Okay. I mean, is there anything else you want to talk? Okay. That's now, let's fine. jump to Let's do it. So, kind of, I, I mean, it is a whodunit because this woman dies and they're all fighting over the inheritance of uh-huh. the bay. If you wanted to be honest, I've seen this film at least five times and I still kind of don't know who it, it it was like the 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 son and the father uh, it's not important and the, it's really not important <laughs> but the so i i think it is the son and his wife at the end right so so they rejoice that everyone's dead they've inherited the property and then what happens quentin you want me to give it away i do want you to give it oh away. oh my god these little effing kids <laughs> with guns just blow them out. These just, kids who were... You, there's three minutes left of the film. You're like, oh, okay. So so we found someone. All right. They, they, they inherited the property. The movie's over. Yeah. And then... No. Hi, mommy. Hi, daddy. And that's how the film ends. Yeah. But do you remember the line that he says? Oh no! What did he say? He had the little kid. He goes, "Wow, they're so good at playing dead." Oh my god! <laughs> As- <laughs> and then they run off to the bay. Right. Then they the have bay of blood. The bay of and blood. Then credits roll. This cycle continues. <laughs> I just really want to really quick um, 
lift up two two different scenes in the movie. Okay, go. One is a kill where they're having two people having sex with each other. That that that's so crazy. They get the like speared, speared. And, and and they but they're still like thrusting. Exactly. <laughs> She's like, I'm getting. She's this. like, I'm so close. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was beautiful, and um, there, I also wanted to shout out the guy who was the awkward third wheel and yes. definitely thought he was going to be involved in a threesome <laughs> and then ends up reading a book. And... Yes. You know what's the weird thing about that? Okay, let's talk about that. Yes. So, right. So, it's four of them. Uh-huh. It's like a friend. They Okay, I, I'm not calling these women this. I know that they have names. I'm not sure if we ever learned their names. Yeah. But one of them is the Frenchie and the... And, they, and the German. Is that yeah. what you're going to say? The German, yeah. But they okay. call her Kraut, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, like, they call playfully. her... I think it's derogatory German term. I don't know. Germans hit us up. Let us know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so they call her Kraut and Frenchie. And so the German lady, she goes off to swim and that's how she gets murdered. But but that happens in the day. Yeah. Do you realize that it's night by the time that those two are boning and he still hasn't figured out where he's this German like, girl is? Yeah. He's like, yes, I'm going to read a book. I'm not going to even right. try and pretend. Yeah. He's a sellout because that German woman is so, you know, she's great. And I she's think she's. Fun. She's beautiful. She's right? beautiful, yeah. and this loser, is yeah, like, is in the book. cabin. I'm the not whole... even gonna try and find my right. Yeah, yeah. Screw him. He kind of yeah. had it coming. Yeah, honestly, yeah. he did. He did. Yeah. He only he only goes out to investigate outside when he hears the killer. Literally, right. Yeah. He's he's lame, and I'm glad. So I'm actually I'm glad he didn't get that threesome, <laughs> and I'm glad he didn't have sex, and I'm glad that yeah he died alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those, those are actually two of my favorite scenes too. They're just yeah. so crazy. Yeah, he gets a cleaver to the face. Right to the face. Here, it's so good. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So that's a Bay of Blood. It starts off in 1971. It wasn't the first, but it definitely kind of set the tone for the ones that Came were to come. It. Yeah. Yeah. And American slasher films. Major influential. You're welcome. Friday the Thirteenth. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready to talk about what have you done to Solange? What have they done? Oh, I don't know. Okay, 1972. Let's do this. That was What Have You Done to Solange, 1972, directed by Massimo Delamo. And this is the one that I told you is actually the first in a trilogy. Here's the interesting thing about it. So the first one is definitely a giallo, straight up. Uh-huh. 
then the director wrote the second one and directed the second one and that one he it's called what have they done to what have they done to your daughters and sort of follows the same that could be literally the title of the first movie but okay <laughs> literally we don't meet solange in the first right, one until, until the last 30 minutes right yeah which if you're gonna do a whodunit might as well save it <laughs> save the answers for this the end. one is probably the most whodunity of mm -hmm. them i think and uh but the second one is a is a poliziotteshi Okay. So that one is, is great as a Poliziotteshi. But then this kind of turns sad. So the third one, he died while writing it. Okay. So he wrote it, but he died while making a different film, a Poliziotteshi. That one was called Cult 38 Special Squad. But he had written the screenplay for the third one. So someone else directed the third one. And the third one is a Poliziotteshi as well. It's called Red Rings of Fear. So technically, this is the first in, in a trilogy, but it's the only giallo of the trilogy. And and yeah, and so it stars Camille Keaton. She is an American actress. And the one thing that you might know her from, did you ever see I Spit on Your Grave? No. No, oh. but I know I okay, recognize yeah. the box art. It's a very popular exploitation film. She did this one right before. She actually said making this film was very difficult for her. Because the director didn't know that much English and oh. she didn't know Italian. Yikes. This was also an Italian and West German production. Another really important thing to kind of note about this one, uh, why West Germany decided to get in on this one. While Poliziotteschis were really popular, the Germans had their own genre of this sort. Not giallos, more closer to Poliziotteschis. They called them crimis. And they were crime stories. Okay. So when they were making this film, they wanted to really hit those two targets. They wanted to hit mm. the Giallo movement yeah. in Italy, which was really popular. They wanted to hit get the, the Crimmies. Yeah, they wanted to get the Crimmies in Germany, and they wanted to get the grindhouse market. So Ooh, this good idea. Yeah. So this kind of has the intersection of all of them. But before we keep going, what it's about. So where is it set? In Germany. No, it's actually set in England. In Engl England. Yeah, remember it happened, the opening scene at River Thames. Okay, the first it's a little confusing when you watch a dubbed version because you're not getting yes. the language, the languages. Yeah, so I think only one of these that you saw was in Italian. Right. And even then it was dubbed Italian. Oh, So really? that was a big thing for Giallo's. They were just dubbed unceremoniously. You have no idea if these were the actors' voices yeah. or not or anything. Yeah. You just kind of understand that nothing's gonna match up right, <laughs> when right. You watch it. yeah the first five minutes of all these i'm i'm my brain is like okay was that the real voice or not and then like how close to the real person could they get you know it's, yeah, yeah. it's kind of half the fun they're so ludicrous yeah you know? you, it does you'll, add to the absurdity yeah you'll hear something and their mouth isn't moving and you're like okay sure right right <laughs> yes I the, guess. this is what's happening right all right yeah so it's actually england the first murder happens on the river thames and it's basically a bunch of murders happening at a catholic school uh murders very specific murders <laughs> do you want to go ahead and specify the, the murderer stabs everybody in the vagine <laughs> i don't so no yeah he's a he's a literally knife kind of yeah person. it's like yeah. law and order svu it's it's nasty it's, oh seven two seven that right in yeah Yikes. no it's it's horrible yeah it's, it's it's pretty tough but for the 
for the entire premise of a movie, I found it it was a little almost absurd, you know? <laughs> what do you mean? Because, <laughs> I don't know, it's just to have a whole motion picture about that specific murder style happening over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so that's what you found. It's a little of all things. That's what you found to be absurd in my head the whole time. I'm you know going. What I find to be absurd. Stand in the. Beginning. <laughs> no, it was so bad. You was what have they done to Solange? Showed... I have a guess. <laughs> when they showed the X-ray the first time, yes, they're like, "Was she raped?" And he's like, "In a way." Yeah. And then they show this X-ray of just this knife in a skeleton, and right. I'm I'm just sitting there like, "Would it show up like?" Right, and would you know what you're looking at? Yeah, like it, it is such fin- a yeah. The knife is so clearly defined. It yeah. has like the holes, <laughs> right. the ridges, and you're like, are, are we sure that that's how it should? Right. Wouldn't it just be like a stick? Right. It, I don't think you could see it and the pelvis bone at the same time, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, we took this very important X-ray. That was that even necessary in the autopsy? Okay. Wait. wait, wait. So, so you think that's the absurd part? For me. I do. I do. <laughs> that was a little easier for me to okay. accept. For me, what was the crazier thing for me to really uh, come to terms with was the effing professor sleeping with all of these teenage girls. Oh, yeah. And everyone just being like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe it's, yeah. <laughs> and the wife even being like, yeah, I, 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 spoke, I spoke to your mistress who's yeah. a effing 15 year old girl or whatever right you know and and, and i think like, everyone was 18 i do yeah i think they were all that was said in a dubbed version yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was I, like a school of 18 year olds <laughs> <laughs> who showered all the time uh, yeah there there's so many shower scenes yeah. here very realistic you, you have to I think, imagine yeah you yeah. have to think of carrie had something to do with it mm-hmm. or something a yeah lot of, no. a lot of girls um not just showering but like socializing socializing talking about murders being yeah. like oh no who's next things like right. that yeah right. Here, uh, help let me help you shower that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah i was it's definitely this guy you can definitely see something kind of going along with it um yeah so i i thought the the dude is just so absurd and he everything. was a handsome fellow i will say it, what to do not even go so? there i mean i don't even care if he was it's such yeah. a creep he's just especially oh, because every true. single time that they have sex with the with the girls he's like oh, you're so silly or he's just like, yeah it's just yeah like, he was definitely while his wife is like yes i'll help you solve all of these murders well so i thought it was very sweet that, <laughs> <laughs> that their relationship really 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 improved him and his wife <laughs> after his mistress is killed exactly his his teen mistress then it becomes like you know oh, a we're... romantic you know <laughs> we're gonna solve these crimes together you know i do not recommend that as a <laughs> as a solution to anyone's marital problems I, this is actually advice i can stand by right yeah. so the pod we are in unanimous we do believe in ethical monogamy ethical non-monogamy whatever you guys do as long as it's ethical that's fine guys you know see a counselor maybe yeah Yeah. we do believe in therapy on this pod therapy pod therapy over murdering your mistress or or just you know allowing your mistress to be home when the murder is there or whatever Yeah, yeah yeah he's so responsible 
just so much irresponsibility. I mean, yeah. I think irresponsibility is a theme throughout all yeah. of these, but really irresponsible. Let's go ahead. Let's but well dressed. Yeah. I, that's another thing I thought. This Super Italian well dressed, cinema. Everyone. Yeah. The sweaters. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. Painters. Pa- exactly. Okay. Let's actually talk a little bit about what kind of makes this film different. What would you say? So, so we did say yes. They they all get knife raped. Unfortunately, horrific. I don't even want to. Just when you think about the reality of that, it's so dark. It's so gross. Yeah. But let's actually talk about how the murders are shown. Yeah. Did you feel a difference in this film? Based on Bay of Blood. Based on the rest of the films, really, or, or just in a giallo sense, how did you it feel the since, murders I, well, in this film were the, Just the handled. idea of everyone getting stabbed there is sensational. So it was like, we found another one. Okay, yes. Yeah. I, you have, you're going along something I'm there. I'm almost there. What about what's literally shown? A knife coming out of a vagina. But it, would you say it's as bloody? No. No. So yeah. it's very much, you're absolutely right. The suggestion is powerful enough. It's just like, oh my gosh. Even the first time that we see the knife, we see it go there, kind of. We, we see it slip we under like the a, dress and yeah. then it cuts away immediately. Right. Whereas something like a Bay of Blood, we see them like, thrusting what? for like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And no one's getting stabbed there in Bay of Blood. We keep it above the border. <laughs> they, they keep it above the border. <laughs> sure, it's during sex, but hey, yeah. they do not go there necessarily. Right. So I do and think. And also, what do you think about the fact that is this like a male a male take i mean like why do they need to get stabbed there why i mean don't... all of these are super m- male gaze yeah. yeah i mean there were no female directors or anything like that but this like is... yeah why couldn't it just be a regular murder you know i i, do I mean think, i guess that's we'll, the whole we'll point talk of the movie, about this but... yeah i think we'll talk about this in every single one i do think for this one the suggestion was more powerful than anything okay i think they kind of wanted to make something a little classier than a giallo. And I think okay. that this definitely has, this is definitely a giallo. Yeah. But there's, I, there's a reason why they decided to pivot to Polizio Tushies later on. You know, okay. I think they try to make it a little more highbrow. And, and as we said, we still kind of have a body count, but the way that these murders are actually done, they're done in kind of close and brief shots. They're not really dragged. It's not. Out. Yeah. Although I will say the drowning, yeah, was a little more like yeah. what you'd expect. But even that, that, that was a drowning. Yeah, you know, yeah. Right. And plus, she was she was at that point because the, the mistress- theme of the movie is screwed up at that point. When, <laughs> once you start drowning people, you know, this murderer has no uh, commitment anymore. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we later find out that the killer is. Solange's dad. Yeah, I'm so surprised I got that right. I thought you were gonna tell me he was somebody (laughs) else, but yeah. You were like, "Oh no, who's the homosexual (laughs) lover here? Who's really Solange's dad?" Yeah. So again, it's kind of secondary. I don't even think we meet Solange's dad until late. No, not until pretty late. Yeah. So this was really more of a test and what can be shown and really the test of focusing on the aspects of the crime and, and how the protagonist, the creep pedophile thought that he was kind of responsible for them and, and different things like that. And then as you said, romance, right? Yeah. How to fix your relationship in the worst (laughs) way. 
Yeah. So how would you say that the film is tonally different? From or would anoth- you say from another it is giallo. Tonally- yeah. Well, it was a little hard for me to part of what I would wanted to know from this from our from our conversation is what exactly was a giallo because they do kind of go they they take over some different spaces. So, yeah. So yeah. so what what kind of space would you say that this takes? This up? one, I mean, I'm kind of just going to go off of what you were saying how it it almost borders on that other theme. More like crime other, driven. Right. Yeah. Right. It was more like a Law and Order SVU yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot no, less humor. Not as fragmented. No. This one this I do one, think you, you is one of the more linear right. ones. Yeah. Right. Whereas I, the other two are there was a lot of red herrings, yes. which I do appreciate. Otherwise, yes. it's a little too cut and dry. So yes. when you see a creepy perv guy, you're like, okay, well, it's that guy. <laughs> when you see some other weird guy. Yeah, who, like the other priest. Who, so do you know, who's this guy who is in an earlier scene, and then they bring him in for a lineup to look at these different priests, and he bugs out? That's the neighbor. So Remember? why does he bug out when he's looking at priests? Is he just crazy? I, I don't think I, I think he's just crazy and also I don't think it didn't want to be involved and I just yeah. think I, I think we cannot to ask too many questions of these yeah. movies. Yeah. They probably were just like, Okay man, I'm just gonna go crazy. Right. You're gonna go crazy. There's a really this almost has nothing to do with anything, but there's this really amazing clip going on Twitter right now, around making arounds on Twitter, of David Lynch directing kyle mclaughlin uh-huh. for twin peaks yeah and he's just shouting the craziest things just like yes now wiggle now look like you're panicking now do this and did that and then at so like kyle mclaughlin's having a breakdown and at the end of it david lynch goes incredible oh <laughs> my god <laughs> that's what i imagine these directors were like yeah. just like just be nonsensical just say any language and then right. go great that was awesome <laughs> yeah i can't imagine what it must have been like to film like some of the drowning scenes in these movies yeah i'm o- i'm always looking at it i'm like she's underwater she's not breathing <laughs> i really how long think, was she under I, I i don't think ethics were that yeah. strong back yeah. here people were like yeah almost... and i'm sure a lot of secrets have died yeah out yeah, yeah. so you know, take care of your actors, filmmakers, yes. okay? This is not the 70s. You don't need to do that to make a great movie. Yeah. Right? You can, yeah. So how did you feel about it in general? I, I liked it. it okay. Uh, on my rankings list, it was yeah. somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I think some a couple of these movies, one in particular being Deep Red, I, it's like this investigation investigative thing. Yeah. But I think they're the world's worst investigators. They just don't. They're also just not. And well, this one actually had the police, but we're going to wait to talk about Deep Red. But Deep Red, especially, you're just kind of like. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So like, for instance, so in this movie, he gets hung up on this Solange thing. Yeah. It in real life, it wouldn't have panned out. It wouldn't have had anything to do with it. But it's a little, yeah. at least a little I mean, bit. This is the nonsensical plots, man. Yeah. They I mean, it works don't... out, but. Yeah. Uh, no narrative Deep resolution. Red was yeah. way, I thought, way further away from like <laughs> Deep Red is a legitimate investigation. So. <laughs> All right. Okay. 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 All right. Well, yeah. So that was, what have you done to Solange? Good. Okay. Uh, are you ready for the next one? Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the perfume of the lady in black. Mm-hmm. 
that was a bit of the perfume of the lady in black so like i said the 1970s 19 specifically 1970 to 1975 was really the heyday of giallos so what have you done to Solange was done in 1972 and a large reason why they decided to pivot to the other genre is because people were starting to get tired of of the giallos and I think we can kind of tell by the late era giallos that they really try to make them just as weird as possible and so this is one of the later era giallos it's 1974 directed by Francesco Barilli he actually didn't make any other giallos. He made one other narrative film, and now he's still working. He makes a lot of documentaries. So he's actually a documentary filmmaker now. Even currently? Yes. What's he filming? Do we know? Uh, he's, oh. He has something in post-production now. I do not know the name of it. I just thought that was interesting. That is. That in the 70s, he made like these two films, and it was like, F narrative, documentaries. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. So- Perfume and Lady Back, it's about a scientist, a chemist, who is troubled by strange hallucinations related to the suicide of her mother. There's also some weird stuff going on with her dad. That's kind of yeah. the most yeah, simple it's way. That, yeah, and if you know that, going in, you're going to get what the movie is showing you a little bit more, I think. if Because <laughs> it's not, nothing and is... Nothing is ever explicit. So this yeah. is the only one that is in Italian, but I actually think it's dubbed in Italian because the America the, the actress in it is American. I don't think she knew Italian. I'm pretty positive. Hmm. So but this is the one you saw. She in was Italian, just like speaking right? gibberish or something. I don't believe <laughs> there's not a lot of information on even on Wikipedia yeah. there's not a plot summary gotcha. for this. Right. I noticed that. This I is- noticed that because <laughs> I was looking for one. <laughs> As You're I like, was dying watching. F- am I watching? <laughs> yeah. And Wikipedia's like, sorry, man. Wikipedia's <laughs> like, we don't know. <laughs> Good luck, man. <laughs> but here's yeah, who's in it. There's there's not a lot of information on the production of this film. I do I, I do have a couple of things um really just about Francesco Burley. Okay. Yeah. So so that is the perfume of the ladybag. Well let's first talk about so this is the, this is a Giallo film, but it definitely is the only giallo film that we're talking about today that kind of does have more of a supernatural slant to it in a way. Okay. Yeah. You would say, right? Um, I'm, yeah, so, it's, so it's a, would you say it's a whodunit? It definitely has some more like what is going on. <laughs> I, you know, it, it takes the, it takes the whodunit and subverts it in a very strange way so one who done what who did basically <laughs> it's like who done what who done when? she who yeah. done when right who done we who is we <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one thing that pops up constantly in the film is alice in wonderland yeah and i think that is a very good metaphor as to what's going on Basically for all of it. Right. Yeah. Because she just goes. It's a trip. It's a trip. And it's a little, even, you know, so I I went, whenever I have a feeling about a movie, I go and I read other people's reviews and I try to find the review that fits what I thought, you know? (laughs) Okay. You find validation. Right. I want, I'm looking for validation. Um, Okay. Yeah. So it's a, it's a movie. I thought it was a little, it was slow for me. Yeah, if it's, it's definitely a trip, slower. I want to go on a trip, but I want to be stimulated that whole time. 
Yeah. This was a little, it was almost like a straight movie that veers off in yeah. strange directions. Yeah. It doesn't, it, the, the, the body count necessarily isn't there. It's definitely an abstract representation of Giallo themes. So you definitely get, especially I think in the last 20 to 10 minutes, you really get the more traditional Giallo feel. But the entire time, you're just kind of like, is, is this a ghost story? Is is this, right. you know, like, like you, you don't really know. And she knows less. And it's just, it's just really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely, it's definitely more of like a psychological horror in a way. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and try and, and break it down. Okay. How do you think? Things were subverted. How did you feel about the representation of some things? What mm. did you think in general? So, so what it did was you think just of hard. The film? It was for me. It was just. It was. T- it was outside of my league as far yeah. as yeah. Yeah. As far as being able to pay attention to this. Yeah. Unfold. What and did refold you think at first? Like I thought. When is something going to? Ha- I, I thought it really made me question. I was like, may have me watch this, but this isn't a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it was genreless. There was scenes way, yeah. with ghosts, and and then there and was you, and you couldn't really tell that there were ghosts. You were like, right. is, is this just a little girl? Yeah, yes, the little girl, and, and I and then liked... the rapist too. There's a lot of rape in this film. Although, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, and seeing like your mom have sex with somebody, yeah, that may or may not be consensual. No, that she was raped. She yeah. was raped. Okay, yeah. yeah. And seeing that a couple times. <laughs> yeah, that know? kept happening. And yeah. then it, it happened to her. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was disturbing. In general, I, I really don't like watching rape scenes. More than, like, I can watch anything get cut off, but rape scenes really just F me up. Yeah. And it's just so uncomfortable. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable. And, and, and that discomfort really comes across in the film. But the thing is, you don't know... If it's like a, a ghost, a hallucination. Yeah, I didn't even. Yeah. The thing is, though, we do get answers. We do. We get we get answers in the last. I want to say five minutes, right? Yeah. yeah. So we talk about iconic endings. Uh huh. And and what have you done with Solange? Kind of has a pretty all right ending. Like you know. One thing I forgot to mention with Solange is they literally point by point explain it. Yes. at the end and it yes. does not need to be explained but it's like the very it's like if at the end of the movie you know what it reminds me of thought your audience was so dumb <laughs> but you're like i'm just gonna say it just once so that make sure yeah. everyone knows yeah which so so that gives you i could I think... have actually used that on this movie <laughs> that's where i needed it you, you know what it, it reminds me of the ending of psycho you know at the very ending of psycho where they spend like six minutes yeah <laughs> that's what it felt like that but the perfume of lady in black I think has the craziest ending of all of these Definitely. films. Definitely. So in the last five minutes, you, so at first I thought I really loved this movie because we it reveals that she kills the the guy that raped her her mom and raped right. her. Right, stabbed him in the face. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We find that she uh, kills mortally, her boyfriend. Mortally stabs him in the face. Yeah, somehow. kills yeah. her boyfriend. Kills her like neighbor kind of thing. And then she makes a tea party for them. And I, you think that the film's going to end there. Yeah. But then she jumps off a building, right? Okay. Right? That, that She jumps off a building. Maybe. <laughs> and then 
I, I logically, I don't know how to describe this. Right. They all come back. They're all not dead. They're all not dead. And they it's revealed that every literally everyone in the film is part of this occult. Right. And they start eating her. Yeah. <laughs> totally. They, yeah. I, did, I feel like that's what, really what deep. You, what did you feel about the last? I mean, I will say this film really reminds me of Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. I was yeah. reading that a lot. Yeah. 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 De- um, definitely. I was, when I was Baby. reading that in reviews, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. To me, as the, you know, American viewer who's not the most intellectually challenged on movies i watch something like that and i go okay there's something deeper here and that, but like it, weird yeah so what i mean can we really parse that out to say like she about maybe being exploited or being used or tormented by the violence that surrounded her life yeah so the violence of, of her father's death the violence of her mother's death kind of echoing what happened to her mother because it's implied that her mother committed suicide because of the rapes. But then you have to kind Sorry, can I ask you one question about that? There's a scene in the movie where the mom's on like on the balcony or whatever. Right. And she or or the little girl runs and like pushes her. Yeah. Does that not happen? I I think the little girl is just a manifestation of. So I was. So she didn't kill her own mom. No, I no. Okay. No, no, no. no. She didn't kill her. I am pretty sure. Because that would be crazy. I mean, (laughs) everything (laughs) else. Crazy. Right. I mean, we also we we don't get that much explanation at the end. We don't know if maybe this cult followed her mom or anything. I do think we we just can really focus on her mental state. This is definitely a giallo where the it is focused on the the the. Wow, the deterioration uh-huh. of the protagonist's madness. Hold, yeah, yeah. So whereas uh, uh, all of the giallos here, we we can say, yeah, fragmentation, disassociation, they manifest in different ways, but they're very literal. Yeah, every film, every other film that we've seen for this pod specifically today is very literal, even though we can read different meanings into it. But the perfume of the lady in black, a, a, a large reason why I wanted to watch it is that it's completely abstract. Yeah. It's completely nebulous. We don't really know about it. And and so it's interesting to see it from a giallo perspective, especially when giallos are so based for the most part in reality. This one is completely subjective. Right. Yeah. It's like being stabbed in the mind. Instead of the vagina. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Horrible. Um, and you know what? I I I like it more now, and I see how it fits in. So yeah. good job, man. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Wow, it's my job. <laughs> that two hours of absolutely <laughs> confusing. Yeah. No. That. Now it, you're like, oh, I would definitely see them eat her heart again. Right. Right. No. Okay. Yeah. No. That's I, fair. I I see where it fits in. I think that's really cool. Cool. Awesome. So a little better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Okay, I think we're ready for our last one. Woo, what is it? It's called Deep Red. (laughs) Deep Red by Dario Argento, the king of the giallo.
And that was a deep red. <laughs> Profondo Rosso. Ooh, sounds so good. <laughs> okay, so this is 1975. It's often considered the gialli to end all gialli. So Dario Argento is the king of the gialli. Mario Bava started it. He's the intellectual head. He's definitely one of the forefronts. It's always Mario Bava and Dario Argento. But Dario Argento really relished in the absurdity of the giallo he he wanted he he made so many during his career and that's what how he really built his name and of course that is how we got the name of our podcast so suspiria is not a giallo because it's more rooted in the supernatural it definitely has giallo elements to it but it's not technically one some other films that he made, just to name them off, he did the Animal Trilogy, which was right before this. So in the first, in the very early 70s, he did the Animal Trilogy. Those were three different giallos. The first one was The Bird with the Crystal Plumage in 1971, followed by two others. Then these, af- these names are like uh, emo band album, uh, song titles. <laughs> well, you have to think, like I said, these were based on the crime novels. Okay. Of, so, so you can kind of see where they yeah. come from. Gives you the taste of this. But I do agree. Environment. If anyone wants to start a band called The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, hit me up. I'm really good at noise pop. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so the Animal Trilogy. Then he made Deep Red after that. Okay. So this was 1975. After Deep Red, he did the Three Mo- Mothers Trilogy, which aren't giallos, but they're giallo adjacent. The Three Mothers Trilogy includes Suspiria. It also includes one of my favorite films of all time. And I think I'm the only one that thinks this. He made this film in, I think, 2001. And it's called uh, Mother of Tears. Clinton, this is my favorite film. This is one of my favorite horror films of all time. Mother of Tears. It is the most absurd thing I've ever seen. Because you have to think giallos, right? Right. It's, It's not a giallo, but... You can see the sheer giallo absurd spirit yeah. in it. Uh-huh. And the thing is, it happened in 2001. So things really? were updated okay. to reflect the gory. It's one of the goriest films is of it... all time. It's just crazy. You know how like you see... Mother of Tears. Mother of Tears. Okay. Highly suggest. Okay. You, you don't really have to see these films in order. Suspiria is a masterpiece. Suspiria is my favorite horror film of all time. It's not a coincidence that I named the, that we named this podcast after that. Um, technically, that's the first film in the Three Mothers trilogy. And Mother of Tears is the last one. Wow. You don't have to really watch it in order. I want to, though. <laughs> you, you might be disappointed because you'll okay. start off with a really great film and then you'll end with the craziest film, easily. Okay. You know how we discussed that, like, things happen and, and things. And Mother of Tears, something insane happens at least every five minutes. <laughs> I remember I first saw it with my best friend Delia. And we were watching it. And the first five minutes is kind of just like they're, they're in this church or something. And we, at that time, we were young. I was at least 12. That was my first Dario Argento wow. film. Yeah, I was it was my first Dario Argento film and I was like, man, I don't know where this is going. Yeah. And then someone gets mauled by a monkey (laughs) while a killer, a giallo style killer goes after them. And I was just like, this is crazy. And then after that, I really don't want to spoil it for anyone. But everything from 
a baby being kicked off a bridge. Oh to... my gosh. Hey, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Let me tell you, it's crazy. So this is Dario Argento. Okay. This was this is often considered his masterpiece. Okay. So, uh, like I said, the Gialli to end all Gialli, 1975. After this, the movement petered out just because this is considered kind of the thesis statement okay. to Giallo films. It contains all of the themes that we talked about, all of the stylistic methods that we talked about, and it contains probably the best horror soundtrack of all time. All right. Yeah. And so specifically, it's about a pianist and a medium who decide to investigate murders. And so we, uh, the murders that the pianist witnessed right. to be specific. And we kind of talked about how the, there, there's just like the, the procedural kind of aspect of these films yeah. and, and how they're the worst detectives. Right. These are the people that should not even be investigating no. this, but they just like, they have like these conversations, these battles, like we're going to solve this murder. And you're just like, dude, you're not even. Like, yeah. How? <laughs> and one thing about this movie is that I, I feel like the normal the normal beginning to end yeah. is it sort of builds and builds and the investigation builds and they're affected by the investigation. That's why they, that's why they want to solve this yeah. mystery or crime yeah. or murder. Yeah. But then at the end, they, the murderer comes to them and there's this, all this tension, and everything. But in this movie, it kind of happens talk about the end backwards and yeah. the murderer like finds him and wants to kill him. Yeah. Almost within the first, I don't know, 20 minutes. And then instead of being like, oh, my God, okay, I'll just, like, set the trap. The murderer's already coming to me. Right? He, like, toys with them. He's, like, playing piano. Yeah. And the murderer's clearing. He's, and, then he, and then he shuts the door. And he calls the medium. And he's like, hey, listen, yes, I'm about to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, a really casual, yeah. you know, or almost yeah. too casual. Yeah, like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, that happened yeah. in the first 20 minutes. And so, and then instead of a, making some elaborate scheme to to really catch the guy. Right. He goes on this investigation based on something somebody else says about like a sort of similar folk. It almost sounds like you, you're just going in the wrong direction right off the bat when the murderer is right there. That's, that's what I had the most problems with. So I was I like, will... why are you doing this? <laughs> so Argento did co-write this, okay, but specifically he himself has admitted that this film was more, trying to uncover a surface association of all the different elements. So it's really a visual heavy film. It's really a film that completely throws away the the sense of plot and, and anything that comes with it just to really tell the story visually. And I think that this one is my favorite. And I think it's a huge reason why I love Dario Argento films so much, even though they technically don't make sense or anything. They really just on a craft maker perspective they're masterpieces they're just beautiful and and they're constructed so tenderly in a way which is a really weird way to describe them but Uh, yeah a murder filled (laughs) a murder but but they really they really are you know and and this film is really delicate in a really violent way and i'll actually specifically point out why so 
a little bit about its influence. So highly influential, Dario Argento, especially of all of the directors and films that we talked about. Mario Bava was highly influential, but Dario Argento really bled into the American mainstream. I mean, his films later on would then be Suspiria was set in America. So that one is set in, in New York and, and, he would continue that trend later on forward. So he definitely is the one that tied into it together. He was also just kind of a crazy guy. Yeah. Like this film specifically, he, he they shot it in Turin in Italy. And the reason why he wanted to shoot it in Turin was because the highest concentration of Satanists in Europe lived there. Oh my god. That's like gosh. a real from his own mouth. Right. That is why he wow. wanted to shoot deep red there. He's like it it, it influenced the atmosphere. Oh my so god. Just tell so he's you, on that level. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's absolutely crazy. You know, uh, you you might know his uh, daughter, Asia Argento. Yeah. Now, yeah. why do I know her? That name's so really she's, familiar. So she, Triple uh, X, the Vin, Vin Diesel, Diesel movie? movies. Yeah. yeah, she was in those. She mainly uh, has stuck with Italian films. She was a figurehead of the Me Too movement as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that might be how you might know her. Okay. Anyway, so specifically with the murders in this film, I don't know if this might have gone over your head. It did. Okay, but... Argento, at by that point, he had been making a lot of murders, right? Okay. He was like, I people can't relate to being shot. Oh people my can't god, relate I to, know where you're going. Literally, with this. he said this. People can't relate to being stabbed. I want the murders in this film to be normal, everyday things to get under the viewer's skin. Right. So literally, and and could you kind of get that? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so so that was very intentional on his part. He was like, I want this film to get under people's skin. And he thought that it would be more subliminal. Like, of course, people would get, you know, cringed over getting stabbed or whatever. Yeah. But he really wanted people to relate to every single like, kill. Like, you could die. You know what this pain feels like? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's that. Those are his exact words. He's like, people understand the pains that are happening in these different murders. Yeah. And that's my intention behind them. Which one do you think is the most relatable? I, I, I I don't know. You know what? I, um, I always go back to actually just the very first kill when he takes her off the window Uh and the, they had the glass embedded into the neck. Uh I always think that that's such, oh my God. That's your like Buzzfeed list. Top most relatable murders. I I don't know if it's, it's just like, I I think about the splinter of the glass and Uh everything. And and I have such a fear of getting a splinter from glass Uh, for no reason. Yeah. So, so yeah, it definitely, yeah. Mine would be the, the guy who gets slammed into every corner of furniture in the room. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I guess corners are sharp. (laughs) That's some daughters of darkness realness right there. You're like, uh, sure. Yeah. And then he eventually gets stabbed because, you know, no one's going to believe it. I mean, you could actually die from hitting a corner or every, I would have believed it. every corner of every piece of furniture in the room. But I thought that was especially, yeah. Especially well, you know, fun. what's actually funny about the murders in this film, a lot of them were repurposed for really iconic American films. So one specifically, David Cronenberg Scanners. Did you ever see Scanners? No. Uh, the head explosion scene was oh. influenced by uh, Deep Red. Okay. The Halloween 2. Did you ever see Halloween 2? 
Yeah, it's been a long time, though. Uh, the hot tub scene. That's okay. Directly lifted. Gotcha. Yeah, so they stole that one. And David Lynch also would steal a version of that for Lost Highway. Okay. And other... Other f- uh, directors that lifted from this movie, so John, Car- John Carpenter, obviously, Halloween uh-huh. 2. Quentin Tarantino has said he's really influenced by this movie. Brian De Palma, especially Dressed to Kill, things like that. So definitely Deep Red, Dario Argento's mark has influenced the slasher film the most and, and American industry the most because a lot of the ones I listed, they, it's surreal films the surrealist really crowded to Dario Argento. And I think that's also a large reason why I like him so much because in a way, even though his films are really based in, in this giallo reality or whatever, they're just the epitome of surreal and absurd because yeah. they just truly go in all sorts they go, of places. Right. They hit all the marks. Yeah. And so again, many different cuts of exist of this. He specifically said that he wanted the film to always have a continuous evil discomfort throughout it. And he speci- that that's how he pivoted to the to the mundane murder scenes or what whatsoever. Okay. He wanted the audience to be on edge for the next one. Like, how am I going to feel mm. this next right. terror? Yeah. And I think you can really feel that way. So let's go ahead and talk about the film. Okay. What did you think? Etc. Yeah, I was as a modern viewer, I was just very frustrated by what I thought was the, the strangest investigation because all of a sudden he's investigating some scary story yeah, when he literally yeah. was almost murdered yeah. the murderer was right there yeah. and now you're gonna go investigate some scary yeah, story they don't care it's they like don't care. you were just there bro and then even the the characters in this film okay so I guess let's spoil it so we have the best friend who then we find out has a gay lover and when he or he was like gay. drunk right at the beginning yeah, of the yeah, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's funny when it's revealed that he's gay, he's like, I, I'm not going to say the word because it's obviously derogatory. And right. He's like, like, yeah, I'm a drunk and I'm also a this. What are you going to tell people about me? Yeah. And the dude just looks at him like, um, you know, your mom told me to come find you. <laughs> right, right. I'm just, you know, not really on that okay. level right now. And then what do we later find out? Well, real quick, his lover, I found out, was um, played by a woman. Yeah. And I thought they're – I wasn't sure where they were going to go with their roles in the movie and their representation in the movie. And where was their role just to be like, I don't think that it was oh, supposed to be transgender, if that's what you mean. Right, right. Yeah. I, and I was also – whenever I see um, homosexual people represented in film, I'm always thinking, is this going to be in a positive light? Is this going to be othering them? And, I think and it I was, was actually kind a of lo- an other. You think so? Yeah. What do you think? Definitely. Um, but I also thought it was not as bad, I guess, as I was. I I as I, I, I would agree. Worry. I I I agree. Yeah. yeah. It definitely. I I wouldn't necessarily. But the lover wasn't like it wasn't like ooh I gotta get away you know it no, she, they, they, yeah. he he was given the kind of tenderness and, yeah you know, yeah he wasn't I, their I relationship agree. seemed loving you know yeah, he's yeah, drunk yeah. And yeah probably not yeah a good yeah i agree person, but i agree i i definitely don't think it's i i, I it was sh- i think the reason why they made him gay because you have to think you know they wrote this there's right. a reason right i think it was a way to show the the deviance maybe not okay. deviance or, or rather the 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 way that 
it this was all just strange he he was in by no ways normal and okay. i and i agree with you that in a way it's not as bad as it could be it's not right. like what's the worst case scenario right but especially when we try and treat these films retrospectively in the in the frame of queer theory and whatnot we really have to think well it wasn't done with with the intention of humanizing in okay. a way i don't yeah. think i don't think it was humanized but i do think it wasn't condemned in a way it was a way to make him weird yeah you know it yeah. was a way to other him right okay so definitely a nuance there that's yeah. a good that's a really good point to point out um but you know even going further into the whole film who do we find out is the killer spoiler zone the killer is the mom the mom of the piano player of i thought well the piano player friend the, there you right, go right, right. <laughs> also like, there are, are a couple of piano players but yeah uh yeah so the so the killer gay mom. best friend yeah killer mom exactly mm -hmm. exactly so she was the killer so let's talk about how the film handled the ending and also how the film handled gender disparities but what, what would you Ooh. what would you say uh I am going to reflect back to you because okay. I think you're probably going to have better. I don't know if I have analysis. better. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if I have better. It's just, I thought it was it, the gender dis disparity is very strong in this film. I mean, they, they have a scene where they're arm wrestling and she's like, I'm better. Okay. Yeah. Can we yeah. talk about that? Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Is that woman. Now this movie was co-direct, co-written, co-written, co-written and by the director's wife is that right yes and she would later go on to write suspiria yes 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 okay yes, so yes. sorry to sorry to go all the way up. but so basically was she in this movie was that her i don't think so i actually don't know um, i don't really yeah because i think there was it's weird there's this weird element of like oh this woman's trying uh, an empowered feminist. Yeah. I'm going to arm wrestle oh, yeah. her. Oh, yeah. It was a completely, Very I weird. think, unnecessary scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, yes. <laughs> it was almost, yeah. It was totally. Yeah, it's very tonally weird. Tonally weird outside yeah. of everything else going on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I just was wasn't sure if you had any other. Yeah, I think in a way. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, it's definitely not. A, I don't think anyone can call any giallo film feminist yeah you know no matter what it says yes. in a way I, I when i first saw the perfume of the lady in black i'm like is this feminist and then the last like five minutes happened i'm like oh no it's not yeah probably. <laughs> like i thought if it ended on the tea party of all her killers, right. i'm like okay i can yeah. get behind it <laughs> yeah. oh. no it did not go there yeah yeah so i wouldn't i i, I think again i think it's an interesting commentary and i think it, it also shows the independence because she she in a way is is much smarter than him and and stronger throughout the film the mother or the investigator the the, the medium the the medium. Like, gotcha. her name is gianni gianni yeah, okay or gianni yeah gianni yeah and um and yeah and and also the the gender norms t tend to be flipped in the film sometimes but as you said this still is really heavily coded like oh these these liberal feminists right like. and I, I th yeah and she she wins the arm wrestling match but then he's like you cheated you, you cheated, cheated. Yeah. this is what happens when when you're you... too empowered yeah, yeah that's literally what he says right. it's just really weird and then you like, have so anyway the... let's figure out this murder yeah and then you have the twist of the killer being a woman too being mm -hmm. the mother yeah of all things but i do think i i really do believe that this film 
in in its essence is really more about the the way that it's put together rather okay. than what it says. Yeah. I, I as as I said, I really love this quote that he said. It's the it's about the surface association of all of the elements. So yeah, you have all of the giallo elements as well, but it's also how it's edited together, how it how even the the scenes are just disparate or 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 anything you know it's definitely a, a mess of contradictions that was the highest form of giallo because as we mentioned in the very beginning giallos really weren't made to make narrative sense or to have narrative resolution and sometimes you're watching it and you're just like i have no idea what's going on i thought this person looked like this person who's yeah. this person this person and deep red really just elevated that the the ethos of the genre to the highest form gotcha and so um and yeah any final I'm trying thoughts? to think if I have any other questions. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was the motivation of the mother? Did she have one? I think. Yeah. I, I think it was just a matter. Of, <laughs> it's yeah. crazy that we can't just like say off the top because that's kind of the entire movie is this murderer running around. Right. Yeah. And the fact that she wouldn't even have like a clear motivation. That we can like, oh yeah, that you know. Well, remember the the film even starts with that um, with that woman uh, having the the vision, thinking that she's gonna. Oh, that the beginning of this movie too, I thought was kind of really crazy. really powerful and really yeah. fun and visually yeah. really no, it's really beautiful. Cool. The, yeah. This film to me is just art. You yeah. Know? absolutely I, I of course i don't i cannot break down the plot as as i don't think anyone in general can break down this plot but we can talk about the archetypes we can yeah. talk about the color theory we can uh -huh. talk about the intention and the juxtaposition it's really a film that you you can i i really like rewatching it as yeah. much as i don't really get any narrative resolution out of it because you can just break down all of these myriad of different motifs that really symbolize and and encapsulate the giallo the giallo was never it wasn't a poliziotteschi that was a commentary on italian society these were just films that were done to elevate bad scripts into style <laughs> no really yeah. bad scripts into right. style pieces yeah they would purposely underwrite these scripts and rewrite on the spot and all yeah. of these things and, yeah. and everything of the sort. And, and as you can tell, even dub arbitrarily just to get those perfect shots. They're, they're really painter films. And especially in the horror genre, we don't really think of them as beautiful in a way. And I do think it's, it's interesting to call giallos beautiful, but they are. I yeah. really do think uh, as problematic as they are, as violent as they are, whatever, they really try to make violence a beautiful thing and i think it's important to note especially in the development of where that took slashers of the 80s and 90s and so on and so forth very cool they're the artistic godfathers yeah yeah of the genre <laughs> oh god is that not right i no. i just think it's you know it's Oh, wow. They're just, I, I bet like five different thoughts burst in my mind. Let me just shout out the Godfather game. Me and Clinton played that with a couple. Oh, of, well, you're going to have to. Godfather board game. Oh, right. Sorry. Godfather like board the game. New, like within the past couple years. You guys years, can buy probably. it at Marshall's for $20. Wow. That's yeah. pretty cheap. Yeah. Or you can buy it on Amazon for $80. But I found it at Marshall's for $20. Wow. 
and you saying that just made me want to like Wanna watch play? giallos and play, and play that game. game yeah it's a crazy game it's fun it's fun. yeah yeah okay well some final last thoughts on remakes actually i okay. meant to mention this earlier but we'll just end it on throw it in yeah so for what have you done to solange there's a remake in the works for that oh boy and it is being done by nicholas wendig ruffin <laughs> who's that he did Drive, Bronson, Neon Demon. Wow. And he yeah. picks this story. What have you done? To yeah, I thought yeah. it was interesting. I was like, this one of all. He's like, this is a story that needs to be told again. Yeah. So <laughs> he's working on a remake of that. Okay. And then another one I wanted to mention. Okay. Is actually Deep Red. Guess an iconic horror director. Okay. That tried to remake it. That tried to remake it. Well, I'm going to enter in here that. I saw a YouTube clip of oh. Guillermo del Toro, who yeah. who loved Deep Red, and he was talking about yeah. you know all the, all, all, all the things you were saying. Yeah, yeah. they all do. Um, so your question was who's, who's who tried but who failed? Tried for and I'll explain why. Yeah. So it's an iconic horror director. Oh gosh, I mean, I would just guess Wes Craven because you mentioned okay. him earlier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it is George Romero. Okay. George Romero tried to remake deep red uh -huh. and so he met with argento and after talk with argento he was like nope it's it's not happening yeah and i think it's really funny reading that That's, piece of trivia yeah because suspiria was recently remade right. by luca guadagnino okay have you seen that one not yet okay i i am going to very soon with probably my best friend okay, yeah cool. yeah um Anyway, yeah. so that was recently remade. Uh -huh. And actually, a large reason why I haven't seen it. I definitely want to see it. Yeah. But Tario Argento hated that remake. Really? So well, much. It doesn't he surprise was, me, I guess. <laughs> he was like, it completely stripped away the meaning of the original. It is garbage. Wow. It is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. Like, really? really? Well, you've lived a good life. He it's really the most embarrassing it. thing is somebody really, really remakes funny. your movie and people like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was really, really funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's an artist there, you know? <laughs> so that's a, he's like, there is not enough. And, you know, I, I, I really want to be in the right mind frame because I know Luca's remake is like three hours long and the okay. original is like 70 minutes. Okay. So even I am like, what? Like, man, what did? But actually, you know, it just won Best Cinematography at the Independent Spirit Awards last night. Yeah, oh, yeah? Yeah. So it, it was very critically, it was kind of split, but um, it, it yeah. has been collecting awards and things like that. So it's interesting. Yeah. I'll be excited yeah. to, to see it and also to hear your opinion on it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Remix. Maybe we'll pot about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's really true. That's true podcast. So, so, you know, tapered off in the 70s, kind of had a renaissance as uh -huh. Clinton said. Or recognizance, you know, whatever oh word you God, choose whatever. to use. But it had a re-re, re, 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 re it had a re-drum, it had a re-drum, it had a re-drum in uh, the 80s, still really influential today. Dara Gento is crazy. He no longer makes good films, but we still <laughs> love him. Dara Gento, if you ever hear this podcast, you are my hero. Yes. Yes. Love. That little heart symbol that the pop stars make with their fingers, you know? Okay. That's it. <laughs> I did the wrong one. They right. did the right one. Okay. 
All right. Any final thoughts? How did you enjoy this? I enjoyed it so immensely. And I know what a giallo is now. And I am so much more informed. And yeah, I can't wait to to know what we're going to talk about next. (laughs) All right. Well, Clinton is going away. I am. He's going to go to. Where are you going? Spain. España. Barcelona. Barce- Barcelona. Portugal. Por- Portugal. Portugal. Y Valencia. Y, uh, Valencia. Sí. Oh, okay. Y, and I'm going to have a great, I'm going to be very, very excited for that. I've never been to any of those places He's before. He's doing on the field research. That's right. He's going to look Go, into things. All the scary places. All the scary places. Oh, he's going to do an overnight castle ghost uh-huh. hunt. Uh-huh. We are going to pray for him. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To which, to which Lord, the Dark Lord, to Voldemort, yay! <laughs> okay, so next episode we are gonna hear maybe a bonus pod from Clinton. Yes, but for the very next one, since Clinton will be going away, we're going to have a special guest episode. Very excited for that, and then we'll come back in about a month or. About a few weeks. Yeah, but if, the for the listeners, for the listeners, you're going to have plenty of stuff. You're going to actually, you know, I dubbed March, March Madness because we're going to have a release a week. Basically. We're going to have one on already by this time is by this by the time that this is released. Uh, the first bonus pod will be out. Uh-huh. This is going to be released on March 8th. Hello, March 8th. Oh, wait. No. Yes. This will be re- released on March 8th. Happy International Women's Day. Yes. Yes. Big shout outs. Big shout out in advance. And when you're listening to this at the moment, great. And there will be an all-female episode, maybe partially in honor of that. Actually, we are going to be... I'm going to meet with her on the 8th okay. to, to start watching stuff, but okay. we're not recording So not on that. the 8th. Sorry yeah. about that. But but it will be, yes, uh, a little hint. It will be an all-female episode. Woo! I think you guys are really going to like it. And and yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Very excited. I'm going to cook you guys up a good bonus pod, too. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, I'm a little scared. Uh-huh. <laughs> Now we won't talk about my movies. Oh, no. (laughs) All right. Okay, fam. Well, thank you for listening. You know, rate, subscribe, follow, all of it. uh, At Horsperia on basically everywhere. Yes. At Gostaina. At Clinto Peel. Yeah, that's what's up. All right, fam. See you soon. Bye.